everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan. I help midlife women navigate the seasons of their life and stop waiting for permission to live the life they want. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. I am so delighted to introduce my guest today. Barbara Friesen is a retired nurse with degrees in counseling and leadership coaching, and she has several healing designations, including Reiki Mastery and Tao Healing Hands, but her most important credential is as a person who has experienced profound grief and loss, someone who has learned to transform her grief and sadness to courage and hope. She can now reach out to others who are in despair and offer them hope and a path forward from profound loss. Barbara, thank you so much for being a guest today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I love to start off with my favorite question, and that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your professional life? I think the seasons of life are part of being human. And we are all going to go through many seasons in our lives. We're going to go through the full cycle of many seasons in our lives. And I think um, we need to lean into these seasons. They're all important. We need to acknowledge them. And we need to be with them and understand what's happening to us at every stage, at every season that we're in. It doesn't matter what has precipitated a new season in your life. It could be a crisis. It could be a shift in your thinking. It could be a medical problem. It doesn't matter. It's the acknowledgement. Here I am. What do I need to do now? How can I move myself forward? Oh, I love that. It's it's just bringing that self-awareness to where we are in whatever season we are in. Mm-hmm, exactly. Before I go any further, I want to ask you, you sent me a, a picture and I loved it. And it is, you called it cold swimming? Yes. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yes, I can. Uh, I started doing these cold swims about a year ago. Uh, many of my friends think that I'm a little a little crazy to do this because I live in Vancouver, BC. It's cold here in the winter. And so one of the things about cold swims uh, that I learned from the master of cold swims, a fellow by the name of Wim Hof, H-O-F, and he started doing cold swims because he was going through a, a huge grief and loss process after his wife committed suicide many years ago. And he would credit cold swims to saving his life because he was so shattered by her loss. I started doing these cold swims. I wish I'd learned about it earlier when I was going through a grieving, you know, the depths of my grief, 
but I, I find now that I've started doing them that they have been a game changer for me. I feel so much more physically alive. I feel physically healthy. I feel like I've got a certain kind of mental toughness. I don't know how to really explain that, but just kind of a resilience that jumping into cold water, it just seems to have this, this impact of, wow, if I can do that, there's lots of things I can do. You know, there's, what can't I do? Uh, because it's, it's, it takes a lot of mental toughness to just step into the water and start swimming around. <laughs> oh, I bet it does. How often do you do them? Uh, several times a week. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 And it's better in the winter. You know, anybody can swim around the ocean in the summer, but in the winter, it's a lot harder. <laughs> you know, I and I have heard of people doing something similar to that, like, let's say, New Year's Day to kind yes. of yes. do a, a polar bear start, swim. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Start the new year, but not several times a week. And I can see where that develops a resiliency. <laughs> it does. And you have to stay in for a while. Like in the polar bear swim, people kind of jump in and they jump out. But in a cold swim, you've got to stay in for at least five minutes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. yeah. I'll I'll have to read up on that. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Florida. And if it, you know, if the water isn't like, I don't know, 80 degrees, it's... <laughs> Yeah, most people would agree with you. <laughs> but it's a so, wonderful way to shift your mood, too. Like if you're having a down day, you're feeling kind of uh, lousy, sad, upset, anxious, whatever it is, you jump into cold water and your mood will shift very quickly. Oh, I bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to talk about your journey to becoming a master Reiki healer, mm. a therapist, grief coach, certified soul communicator. What led you down that path? Yeah, um, well, I started out, <clears throat> I worked in uh, as a nurse. I worked in mental health for many years and uh, worked with people that had severe mental illnesses and sort of uh, cut my teeth on, you know, counseling skills, uh, doing that work. I also, I trained as an executive coach. I had a master's degree in leadership and I started working with people later in my career, helping leaders become better leaders. When I was getting close to retirement age, my sister got sick. She had a terminal uh, illness and the Western medicine could not cure her. So I retired from doing that work and I dedicated myself to looking after her, but also doing what I could to try and heal her. And that's how I got into Reiki. Uh, I took Reiki classes and I started doing healing work with her to help her with her pain and with the stress and all the emotions that go along with having a terminal illness. I just started doing that work and realized, wow, you know, these healing energies are so powerful. They really helped her. I used to work with her every day. I started working with other cancer patients that were mostly terminal. It really uh, started me on wanting to really do everything I could to help people that needed healing. And so I got other designations that just helped me to increase my attunement to 
to the what's called the universal energy so that I could do it more powerfully. And that, you know, once once you can do that, once I learned how to access these these energies, becoming a soul communicator just seems like uh, it just kind of flows from there. It's like once you're tuned into the energies, I can start tuning into, okay, what what messages can I get here? For example, I can say I'm working with someone and I, they, I, I don't necessarily know them very well. Um, it doesn't really matter. I don't need a lot of information, but I can tune in and I can ask, what can I do today that will most help this person? What do they need most? And sometimes they don't even know that. They just know that they're uncomfortable, they're in pain, they have a lot of stress, they're worried, they have fear. You know, so, so I can tune into that and I can work with them at the level that is most helpful to them. So that's how I came to, to be a healer and work with people using all my skills, really, because I use my coaching skills, I use my therapy skills, uh, I use my healing skills, and I use my soul communicator skills. I just put them all together to try and give people the most holistic approach to their own healing. I love the way, you know, something happens in our life, and then we, we take those next steps for this case, it was to help your sister and mm-hmm. how she was feeling. And each step just kind of builds on the next. And then you're you're this uh, holistic, well, you're already an RN, but then you've got all these holistic modalities to just continue helping people in, yeah. in whatever way they may need it. Exactly. Yeah. I think self-care is really part of the healing process and it can help ease suffering you know body mind and spirit and everybody's journey is going to be different in the way that they heal from loss what does self-care and grief mean to you personally and just maybe three or four tips that that could help somebody that are in that is in grief yeah it's a really good question I think self-care for me started with I have to learn to heal myself before I can help anyone else. And that's that's a really important piece, especially if you're going to reach out to other people. For people who've, you know, been shattered by the loss of someone close to them, you know, the, the best you can do when you, in the initial stages, is look after yourself in the best possible way at the most basic level. You have to start there. And you have to sleep, get enough sleep. You have to force yourself to eat. You have to force yourself to get outside and just breathe fresh air. Even if it's for 10 minutes a day, if you can walk around the block. Sometimes I suggest to people, if you can't do that, just sit in your, in your home and just breathe. For 10 minutes do belly breathing and just focus on your breath breathing in breathing out sometimes that's all you can do as people get further along in the grieving process i try to help people develop anchors in their life and what i mean by that is that you need to have uh, things that you do every day that keep your feet on the ground that keep you 
anchored and grounded. And that's why I suggest breathing exercises, getting out and getting physical exercise every day. And I also suggest that people do some journal writing. Make sure you do it every day. Doesn't matter what you say, just a free flow of whatever's on your mind, whatever you're feeling. And I also suggest that people have at least one person in their life that they can talk to about their grief. They can talk to about the person they've lost. Someone who really hears them, someone who understands them, and someone who doesn't try and fix it, but is just there as a witness. I hear you, I see you, I feel your pain, and I'm, I'm here with you. And helping people to not have high expectations of themselves, keep your expectations low and manageable, and surround yourself with as many supportive people as you can. Minimize the people that you spend time with that are not supportive. Those are a couple of tips. Robert, those are, those are absolutely wonderful tips to, to help somebody with that, that self-care, you know, while they're in grief. And you mentioned journaling, because I'm a huge believer in journaling. And I happen to be doing some research this morning on journaling. And I found something else I just wanted to mention when you, um, called um, visual grief journaling that I thought sounded really interesting. I had never heard of it before. And I wish I had written down the website I saw this on, but but it was saying that if you, even if you find writing too difficult when you're in that grief process, mm-hmm. that maybe, I don't know, just cutting pictures out of paper, um, magazines mm-hmm. or, or cutting <laughs> words out and then taking pictures of your loved one and maybe just writing a memory down or a feeling that that's coming up for you. I just thought that was a a different way of journaling that I I really liked. I think that's, you know, whatever you can do, if that works for you and, and uh, not everybody's a writer, um, just get it out there. I think the, the, the whole point is that, is that it becomes real when you write it down or you make a visual, you have some kind of visual part that, that, that makes sense to you. It's, it's, it's very therapeutic and very healing to, to, to not hold it in, but have a, a way of getting your feelings out and, and whatever expression that is for you. Yeah, absolutely. And your point about having someone in your life to witness you versus trying to fix you, yeah. that is a great tip. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we live in a culture, uh, Cindy, that, you know, we like to fix things. You know, people with the best of intentions typically will give grievers advice about what they should do to make themselves feel better. And it's generally not helpful because grief is not a problem to be fixed. It needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be witnessed. And we need to hold space for people who are grieving, not try and make them feel better. Yeah, absolutely. What is your message for people who think they are doing well by simply surviving? I think I saw that on your website, and that just really struck me because so many people do try to use different numbing activities to numb that pain or that grief. Yeah. And what is what is your message? <clears throat> 
around that? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, we're, we're a culture of distractions. There's lots of them. And uh, generally speaking, I would say when people are in the initial phases of grieving and they're in a lot of pain, sometimes surviving is the best we can do. And that's okay. That's okay. Where it gets tricky is when people uh, have been in grief and in a lot of pain over a long period of time. And usually about a year is, 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 is kind of a, you know, a rough amount of time. It's different for everybody. But if you've been in a lot of pain and grieving for a year or more, it's likely that you're stuck. It's very common for people to get stuck. <clears throat> I certainly was. And I think we can do much, much better than just survive at that point. We really need to learn how to get the wheels of our vehicle out of the ruts of grief. Because the more, the, the longer we're in it, <clears throat> the more entrenched these wheels get in the ruts and the harder it is to get out. So we really need to have, usually at that point, I suggest people get professional help to help move the wheels out of these ruts and start turning your wheel just slightly to move yourself out of that pain and move your vehicle in a new direction. It's just moving the needle slightly and you can get, you can get some traction and start moving in a new direction. And it takes some time, uh, but if people start to take charge of their pain and start to do practices that will start moving them away from the pain, they can start to imagine a life moving forward. And that's what my work is. I mostly work with people who are stuck and feeling helpless and hopeless and help them to move themselves out of that rut and into a life of possibility. Um, so it, it involves doing some spiritual practices. It involves being more physically active. Um, it involves having some guidance so you know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And gradually over a period of time, took me about two to three months of doing these practices every day and I started to move out of my pain. Just an amazing experience of, I remember the, t the point at which my grief lifted. It was like the most amazing experience I can imagine. It was like this black cloud all of a sudden dissipated and I could see the sunlight. I could feel feelings I hadn't felt in a couple of years. I could start imagining what my future might look like, it started to seem possible to do things that I hadn't done in a couple of years. So I know this can happen for people because I've witnessed it. I've helped people through that process and I've experienced it myself. As you were just talking about your, your, that moment that your grief lifted, that message right there is what I'm hoping that our listeners will take away that it is possible. Definitely is possible. Uh, and it needs, you know, people don't need to be in pain forever. It's, it's, it's not meant to be a life sentence. We're meant to move through it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very shattering experience and probably one of the most painful experiences a person can have is to lose someone that you love. 
um, it, it's also part of the human condition. We're all going to lose people. We're all going to have many losses in our lives. And I think we need to learn. We le need to learn how to move through these losses with much more resilience. You know, you can, you can feel what's going on in the world today. There is a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of grief happening right now. And we're being challenged uh, as humanity to be way more adaptable and learn how to move through our losses so that we can face some of the challenges that we're facing. And I think that people here in a conversation like we're having today is helpful because we live in I am going to say a, a death phobic society. Mm -hmm. You know, culturally, we don't like to talk about death and dying. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have these conversations and for people to to hear these conversations. I, I agree. Uh, because we are death phobic in this culture, we think it's going to happen to somebody else. And we're, we're caught off guard when it happens to us. And it is going to happen to us. Yes. We are all going to face losses. Uh, we're going to lose people. We're going to lose our health. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to lose our finances. We're going to lose geographic location that we loved and now we have to move because we live on a floodplain. Uh, we're going to face these losses and there's lots of them in our life. And, and we're, we're not taught in our culture how to, how to face loss, and how to move forward from loss. It's a skill. Yes. Um, and so more than anything, um, because of my own experience of being stuck in pain for over two years, I really want people to feel that they have the power to move forward. They can learn how to do it. It's partially skill. And, and I try to teach people the skills so that they can take those away, the next time they have a crisis in their life, they say, ah, I know what to do. I, ha I have tools in my toolbox. I, I, I know what I need to do. This is going to be painful. It's not trying to take away anyone's pain. It's part of, of loss and grief. But I have tools to move myself forward. Mm. That's going to take me into what I wanted to talk about next when you're talking about tools. Do you have a favorite grief ritual? And how important do you think rituals are in our healing journey? Yes, I think rituals are very important. Uh, and it's one of the ways that I try to help people to honor their loved one is develop rituals. <clears throat> Oftentimes, when we've lost someone, uh, one of the barriers to to healing is that we feel guilty. I could have done more. I wish I'd done this instead of that. If I'd only done this, maybe I could have saved him or her. Maybe they wouldn't have suffered so much. And when we lose someone, it's how can I possibly feel anything other than pain because my person that I loved is gone. So there's guilt about that. How can I feel joy? How can I feel happy? How can I move forward with my life? This person's gone. Their life got cut short. So we have a lot of guilt sometimes about the loss of someone. And what I say to people is that 
when you have rituals that honor your loved one, you can use these rituals, you can do them every day if you can, and then you can say, okay, I feel all right about that. I can move forward now. I can feel something else. I don't have to sit in my guilt and my pain. And everybody's rituals will be different depending on their situation, depending on the person they've lost. But they're very important. And one of the ways that I honor my sister is that, well, several ways, but one of the ways I honor her is uh, she loved hiking. And I live in an area where there's lots of hiking trails. And so I hike regularly. And I can feel her presence. Uh, I can hike with family members and we can talk about her. We can share memories about her. It's, it's just, it just feels very good to be able to do that for her. Also doing this work, uh, helping other people with their pain. She was very worried that, you know, I was going to really be in a lot of pain when she was gone. And she was right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I honor her by doing this work and helping other people with their pain. I like that you say that everyone's rituals are going to be different depending on the person that they lost. And for somebody, you go hiking, you know, and for somebody it may be as simple as lighting a candle, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But I, there's a couple of things. It has to be doable. Like you don't want to have your ritual being that, you know, um, we had a great time when we went to Paris or something. You won't be able to go to Paris every day. So we, 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 I suggest that people have simple things that they can do every day, like lighting a candle, for example, lighting some incense, spending 10 minutes, you know, in meditation and just, and just feeling their presence. And they can be very simple things. Make sure that you can, you, you can do it pretty much every day if you want to. And, and, and having the time that you set aside, like I do this at this time every day, is also really important. There's something about honoring that time that you set aside that's, that's reserved for them is really important. Thank you for going through that and talking about rituals. And I'm really curious about what inspires you to keep doing what you're doing. And you, you may have already answered that, but just go into that a little bit deeper. What inspires me is um, working with people, especially people who are really stuck in grief and witnessing their transformation when they start to focus on healing. It, it's, it's such an inspiration to just witness how people blossom and how they start to embrace a new life and move themselves forward in, in sometimes beautiful ways. Like I've seen people who, as a result of their own grief, they start to do volunteer work. They start to do whatever they can to help other people. It becomes something that's really important to them. And that's a beautiful thing to witness. And such an important part of the human experience is that when, when we've been through something, that shattered us, that we think about, wow, what can I do that will help someone else so that maybe they can move forward a little bit easier. Maybe it will take the edge off their pain. 
so it's 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 it inspires me all the time. It's it's the the capacity of people to heal themselves and transform is incredible. I absolutely agree with you. And just on a side note, do you find or do you come across people because you work with people who are stuck that they don't want to move out of being stuck for because they are maybe guilty or they feel left behind, but they just, it's so hard for them to move out of that place. It can be, yeah, it can be. Because um, pain, can be, pain can become habitual. It feels normal after a while because when you've been in pain for a long time, it's like you wake up in the morning, yep, still in pain, still grieving, and that sets the tone for the day. So what the work that I do is, 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 is helping people to start moving themselves away from pain and focus on healing. So that's why there are particular practices that I help people with so that they do them every day, even if they don't believe they're helping, even if they don't believe that anything's going to help them, they do it anyway. And I also do healings with them to try and help them to heal their pain. So that that uh, that really helps a lot too. People start to feel something else. So when people have been doing these practices for a while, they can start to move out of their pain because they start experiencing something else. And so the possibilities begin to open. Oh, geez, I didn't, I didn't feel pain for that period of time. I was focused on this. And so we build on that. I love the word that you just used, possibilities. Just them seeing and, you know, people seeing a new way of living their life. Yes. And once people can see that, uh, and see that, yes, there is there are possibilities. I can see a future for myself. Then they start getting momentum. And the momentum moves them forward. And that's what's so, um, you know, it, it, it's just very inspiring to witness that process in people. They realize that they don't have to hang on to their pain. That hanging on to their pain doesn't honor their loved one. Yes. That's and powerful. It's powerful, yes. What's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months? The biggest surprise for me is how quickly our world is changing. I live in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. We've had some devastating, severe weather events from wildfires in the summer to severe flooding uh, in the fall. And right in front of my eyes, the world is changing very, very rapidly. And climate change is just one way. We've been in the throes of a pandemic for two years and counting worldwide. And we, as I think I mentioned before, I, I, I feel the heaviness of that on people. I feel the grief and the sadness and the loss that people are experiencing as a result of these changes. And 
one of the things I think we're waking up to is there's no normal to go back to. We are in transition and we can only lean into the transition and try as best we can to be more resilient and adaptable, which is what we're being called upon to do. And I think it starts at home. We have to learn to heal our own grief and sadness first. And then we can reach out and we can help other people with theirs. And and I may have mentioned this earlier, but I, I what you're saying is just so so powerful and and is just hitting my heart in such a way that we have to heal at home before we're able to go out and help heal the world. That is powerful. Yeah. We really do need to take responsibility for what we are feeling, what we're experiencing. Um, And self-healing is possible. We can all do it. We just have to own it. Yes. So what is, and I've loved every minute of this conversation, truly, and we're coming to the end, but what is the biggest takeaway that you hope that anyone out there listening to us really takes away from our conversation? That's a great question. Um, There's a couple of things. I think uh, if you're in grief, and you're feeling a lot of pain, it's it's really important to understand that you, you don't have to stay there. Grief shouldn't be a life sentence. You know, we were meant to move through it. And grief will transform you. It transforms all of us. But the more you try and run away from it, the more it will pursue you. And so whatever you do, if you have a if you're in grief and you're experiencing a lot of a, a lot of pain, you need to start taking action to move yourself through it and to the other side. There is another side. There is life after grief. And the other message is, as we've talked about, we have we have a world in crisis. Humanity is in crisis. We're going through a huge transition. And the healthier we can be, soul, heart, mind, and body, um, to embrace this transition and move through it, um, the better off humanity is going to be. And the more we're in a position where we can help other people to deal with their pain, their grief, their sadness, and help them to become more resilient so that they can move through to this transition as with as little uh, difficulty as possible. Mm, All that was just absolutely perfect. How can people work with you? How can they find you on social media and reach out to you? Uh, Well, I have a website, barbarafriesen.com. I also have a course on grief, um, which is accessible through a platform called mastermind.com. And you can go to mastermind and sign up and just type in my name and it will come up. It's, it's totally free to take this course. Um, and it will help you get started on grief. And I'm also at grief coach, Barb, B-A-R-B 
and I'm on Instagram. I post regularly. So you can contact me through Instagram or through my website. Um, I do free consultations uh, to help people to just get an idea how I can help and if I'm the right person for them in terms of what they're going through. So I offer that as a free service. So there's lots of ways to connect with me. Um, I'm very happy to uh, talk with anyone for a few minutes just to, to help them on their way. I have services that I offer. I do group coaching as well um, where I get people on, on a Zoom call and uh, talk to uh, several people at once and talk about various aspects of grief and how they can help themselves. So there's lots of options um, and if you uh, people want to connect with me personally and I can go through some of these options and, and we can um, together figure out a plan that works best for that person. And I will have that all that in the show notes. And my last question, because it's my next favorite question, and that is, what would you tell your 18-year-old self about the season of life you're in right now? <laughs> I would tell her that, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't matter how old you get. Um, I feel like I'm in a spring of my life. I've come through a difficult winter. Uh, I've come through a period of um, what I call the neutral zone, where it feels like there's nothing much happening. But it's like if you're a farmer, you, you, you have to let your, you have to let your, your soil kind of uh, rest sometimes before it can rejuvenate. And I've come out of that period, and I've started planting seeds, and I'm watching the plants grow, because I've got a whole new perspective, a whole new purpose, and w way more energy and vitality than I've had in years. So that would be my message. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest. This has been really and truly been a heartfelt conversation. And I know that there's going to be someone listening to us that is the message that they needed to hear. I sure hope so. Thank you so much for this opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.